Hey, it went to the right scene this time. Hey, look at us. <laughs> Things are working. Things are it's working. Amazing. Things are popping. Guys, welcome back to another snack size episode. We are a week behind because we didn't record one last week because of stuff and things that I did or did not do. <laughs> Who's to blame is not the issue. Laura, tell us your weird story right. and go hurry quick before they, <laughs> before they ask questions. <laughs> Don't let them catch on. Um, all right. So my story is from militaryhistorynow.com. Ooh, uh, okay. It's a article by Mark Felton. Um, have you ever heard of Operation Cowboy from World <laughs> War II? No. Yeah. All right. I'm going to tell you about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so this is also an excerpt from his book. Uh, Mark Felton wrote a whole book on this, but oh, all right. the readers digest bit of it. Great. So okay. when the shooting died away, the snowy field was littered with dead and dying Waffen SS soldiers. American GIs quickly reloaded their weapons. Huddled inside their positions with them was a strange group of comrades. German Wehrmacht soldiers cradled Mauser rifles, while fur-hatted Russian Cossacks, which were anti-Soviet Ukrainians and Russians who we later fucked over, uh, grinned fiercely through their beards as British and Polish ex-POWs stared grimly ahead. Leading this curious coalition that found itself in action near the Czechoslovakian town of Hostau was a tall, strikingly handsome U.S. Army captain by the name of Thomas M. Stewart. Gripping his Thompson submachine gun, Stuart, already a grizzled veteran at the age of 29, scanned the field warily. The first SS attack had been beaten back, but the enemy would return. He glanced at his men. All had done well. Stuart's foreign legion, as they jokingly were calling themselves, had fought its first battle and won. Surrounded deep inside hostile territory, the small force was tasked with babysitting the world's most precious horses. It was the toughest assignment Stuart had faced since landing in Normandy the previous year, but is most important. While what was at stake was nothing less than the survival of a living European treasure. One of the finest horse breeds in the world, the Lipizzaners, which I'm going to mess up, can trace (laughs) their lineage back to eight original stands. To eight what? to eight original stallions. Oh, okay. So these horses um, of the famed Spanish riding school in Vienna are world renowned. Among the purest bred and finest trained show horses in existence, they boast an unbroken, unbroken lineage that stretches back more than 400 years through the Habsburg dynasty. Wow. But all this was threatened with destruction in 1945. And the efforts to rescue the horses would end with battle-weary American GIs standing shoulder-to-shoulder with German troops to fight a common enemy, the Waffen-SS. So the action at Hostel stands as one of only two documented occasions when U.S. and German forces fought together against a common enemy during the Second World War. The other would take place days later at Austria's Schlosser Castle, and that's I'm leaving that pronunciation. Schlosser. Uh, I'm going to stand by that. <laughs> a lot of this is going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> I have and the German annexation. There went our German listeners. Bye bye. After the German annexation of Austria in 1938, the Spanish riding breeding mares were taken by the Nazis to a special stud farm in Hostau in Czechoslovakia. The performing stallion stayed in Vienna. The mares became the focal point 
focal point of a bizarre Third Reich breeding program to try and create an Aryan horse, <laughs> along with Arabians and thoroughbred racing horses. So fast forward to April 1945, and the mares were still at Hostau, and the war was dragged to its bloody close. Uh, 20 miles west of the city was General George Patton's U.S. Third Army, drawn up along the Czech-German border. Having fought ferociously across Western Europe, the Third was waiting for orders to liberate Prague. 40 miles east of Hostau sat the Red Army, poised to draw the whole of Czechoslovakia into Moscow's political orbit, as stipulated by the recent Yalta Conference. Inevitably, um, the Germans in Hostau would have to surrender to either the Americans or the Soviets. Everyone knew which option was the preferred one. Meanwhile, the Wehrmacht veterinary officers charged with caring for the horses were growing ever more frantic. They feared that if the Red Army arrived first, the precious animals would be lost. The Soviets had already destroyed the Royal Hungarian um, Lebesner collection. Having shot many of the stunning horses rather than take care of them, them the rest were forced into harnesses like common um, drays. God. Uh, they also were afraid that they were going to eat them. Yeah. Because the Soviets... Uh, we're quite hungry and people in Europe eat horse um, lots of cultures okay. so the ranking German at the farm um, was an intelligence officer named Colonel Holters um, his unit had become stranded in the area after running out of fuel so when he was stuck there he befriended the commander of the farm and he was a colonel named Rudofsky the two men shared a passion for horses and they Holter soon convinced Rodofsky to surrender his collection of pride steeds along with his men to the Americans before it was too late. Um, so they decide to secretly set out to negotiate the surrender of the horses to the Americans. Uh, the unit that Holter's approach was the 42nd Cavalry Reconnaissance Squadron, part of the 2nd Cavalry Group, the eyes and ears of Patton's 12th Corps on the border. A good proportion of the second cap's officers were themselves horsemen, uh, including the unit's resourceful commander, Colonel Charles M. Reed, um, a polo-playing Virginian gentleman, <laughs> old enough to have served in the horse cavalry before the rise of mechanized warfare. Wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> right. So let's just say he's a little long in the tooth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Holters laid the groundwork for the surrender. Uh, a veter veterinarian from the stud farm was persuaded to cross the lines under a flag of truce to work out the complicated and risky logistics of moving several hundred priceless horses safely through the middle of a shooting war. Oh, my God. Word of the plan was sent back to the German commandant who re reluctantly agreed to the move. Reed was delighted and contacted um, Patton, who gave the go ahead to snatch the horses. Uh, the problems were acute. Uh, though the Germans agreed that the stud at Hostau was to be turned over to the Americans, the frontier defenses were not a part of the scheme and would resist any incursion by U.S. forces into Czechoslovakia. Then uh, there were the men of the 42nd Cavalry, and they were totally worn out because they've been fighting for nine months, you know, yeah. from Normandy, the Argentines, Germany. And, you know, they didn't want to be the last guy killed in Europe. <laughs> um, to top things off, many of the horses were pregnant. And of a lot course, of them had yeah. just given birth. Sure. Yeah. So mindful that the Red Army was only days, perhaps hours away, uh, Patton ordered his men to carry out the mission and make it quick. 
He couldn't spare enough men and resources to ensure that the operation was a success. Uh, it would have to be performed on basically a shoestring. Um, so the CO of the 42nd was ordered to provide two small cavalry reconnaissance troops and some armor for a 20-mile push into German-occupied territory. The task force commander, Major Andrews, was given just 325 men to enter an area defended by tens of thousands of German troops, including two understrength yet still potent panzer divisions. Apart from the two troops' machine gun armed jeeps and M8 armored cars, the only other support Reed could count on would come from five small M24 light tanks, um, which were going to get their asses handed to them by the right. Panthers, the German Panthers, yeah, known to be operating in the area, uh, along with a pair of howitzer motor carriages, artillery guns mounted on a light tank chassis. Um, it wasn't much of an army, but it would have to do. Oh my God. So... All right, so on April 28th, um, Task Force Andrew, as it was codenamed, set off amid an artillery barrage that la that blasted a hole in the forward German defenses. The advance was contested at virtually every village, but by a miracle, the column reached the stud farm. Now came the difficult part, holding on to the prize. Yeah. While Colonel Reed set out vehicles to move the pregnant mares and newborn foals out of hostile to Bavaria, Andrews turned over the task force to his deputy, Captain Stewart. The force was reduced to one cavalry troop, two tanks, and two howitzer motor carriages, a total of only 180 men. Stuart now faced the greatest challenge of his military career. Without enough men to secure the stud farm, the town of Haustau, and the road back to U.S. lines, he'd need to recruit some extra manpower fast. He turned to a small group of allied POWs who had been liberated alongside the horses. The Germans had been using the prisoners, which was a mixed bag of British, New Zealanders, French, Poles, and Serbs as laborers. All eagerly volunteered to help out and were immediately handed captured German weapons. But it still wasn't enough. Damn. Next, Stuart, Stuart turned to some anti-communist uh, Russian Cossacks in the area. Commanded by a haughty former prince, the Cossacks joined the Axis after the Nazi invasion of the USSR four years earlier. Wow. Eager to slip away from the encroaching Red Army, Prince Amasau and his excellent horsemen volunteered and were rearmed. Still coming up short, Stuart asked the German Colonel Rodofsky for some of his own men to join in the defense. Stuart agreed to rearm them if they pledged to serve under U.S. authority. Many were happy to do so. They had no love for the Nazis, and they all feared the arrival of the Soviets. Yeah. So... Using their own surrendered weapons and cold scuttle helmets, the Vermont volunteers fell in with their new allies. Stuart knew that he had to act quickly in forming this unlikely foreign legion, for word arrived that SS troops were converging in Hostau, determined to kill or capture the Americans and the horses. Oh, shit. In two battles, Stuart's foreign legions, right? This whole thing is just like... It's fucking shit, shit. nuts, yeah. <laughs> for these horses. I mean... Assistance, from the light armor managed to hold off an assault by crack troops from SS Regiment Deutschland. Uh, several okay. Americans were killed or injured in the firefight. More than 100 enemy soldiers perished with an equal number of wounded. Fortunately for Stuart and his men, the Nazis lacked tanks. Otherwise, it would have been game over. Uh, during a break in the action, Colonel Reed began to organize transport to get the horses out of hostile to U.S. lines. Uh, many of the stallions were ridden out by American, German, and Cossack officers, while some of the mares were driven on the hoof like some Wild West-style roundup. <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> Through the middle. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
so the other and they had the babies so the others with their folds were loaded in like into trucks and sent that way okay uh the group made it made good its escaped without a moment to spare soviet t-34 tanks arrived on the eastern edge of hostow just as the lip Azaners and stewart's foreign legion rolled out of town Wow. A tense standoff followed, but the Red Army decided to not risk a clash with Reed's forces, and Operation Cowboy was successfully completed with not a moment to lose. Oh my god. So, right? So the horses were eventually returned to the school, where their descendants performed to this day. Uh, wow. Colonel Reed would later sum up the entire operation. We just wanted to do something beautiful. And what m- could be more beautiful in the midst of the cruelest wars than rescuing innocent white Lipizzaner horses for the betterment of European culture. But it wouldn't have been successful without Captain Stewart's Foreign Legion, who set aside national enmities for a higher reason and succeeded. Oh my god. And that's the story of the cowboy, Operation Cowboy from World War II. That is so so crazy. crazy. Right? They're like, basically wild westing these horses through Yeah. Um, Hostile Germany, German territory. Oh my god. With some turncoat Germans, you know, just like a ragtag group of people. <laughs> right, is whoever they can fucking find to come with them. <laughs> right, come on. <laughs> Coming up. Wow. Get these horses out of here. That's yeah, wonderful. Because, I mean, the Soviet soldiers were so under, um, under, uh, like, not staffed, but undersupplied that a lot of them actually were starving and it was a big concern not yeah. only would they use the horses for labor but also yeah they would for food them. Yeah. yeah for food wow. that i've never ever heard of that i never ever heard of that although i don't i'm not too well versed with some of the different things about world war ii um general Patton, though my aunt and uncle um some of their best friends were friends with him and his wife, Patton and his wife. And oh, they cool. named so much so that they named their son after him. His name is Patton. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not nice. Oswald, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, not him. Um, yeah. That, so that when you said George Patton, I was like, Hey, I sort of kind of tertiary in a sense, know that guy, but not really. Yeah. Right. You got the Kevin Bacon thing going on. I've got the, yeah, six degrees of George Patton. <laughs> yeah, going on. <laughs> um, I loved that. That was really cool. I was like, where is this going? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, what? it's just kind of a, I just thought the story was so, mm-hmm. like, it's cool when people come together for a cause that is like. Yeah, that works. They take yeah. a risk and it works. Because I was like, if she fucking ends this story with, and everybody died and, and those horses are now extinct, I was, was going to be like. <laughs> and the Russians were full. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're well fed to this day. Um, yeah. I was going to be like, this We're is a, a horrible stocky bunch. <laughs> a thousand percent. I was like, we're not releasing this episode, Laura. <laughs> this no, no, story no. is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little long, but yeah. No, it was great. I loved it. Great job. Oh, perfect. Right. Yay. Well, good. Thanks. Good job. That was really cool. That's really cool. My mom's going to enjoy this one. Um, all right. So that's it, guys. That's our Monday morning episode to start your week off right and weird. We will be back next week. Uh, it's my turn. And we're actually going to record that right after this, but release it next week. So anyway, I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. 
And we will see you on Saturday with our regular episode. And next Monday, I will bring you a fucking banana story as well. Bye, guys. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.